0: the incomparable number 468 june 2019
1: welcome back everybody to the incomparable and this is another edition of old movie club and this movie takes us back to the ancient time when dinosaurs roamed the earth it's 1975 (laughs) oh boy i don't like it when old movie club has movies that were when I was alive, uh, but here we are. This is, for those you, you kids out there who think like a blockbuster is like your uh, Avengers Endgame or something like that, the original summer blockbuster. It is Steven Spielberg's Jaws. And with me are a wonderful collection of panelists, but of course the uh, the gentleman himself who leads us in Old Movie Club is here. It's Philip Michaels. Hello.
0: Hello. Would you like a fun fact about Jaws now? I would. Well, it was almost not the original summer blockbuster because it was supposed to come out in 1974 towards the end of the year, but it ran so far over in terms of production that uh, they ended up, oh, let's dump it in the summertime. Yeah, it sounds like Steven Spielberg was convinced he'd never work again because they were 100 days over shooting schedule. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that uh, tonight in, in his honor we will be uh over time and over budget this is actually it, it actually was echoed with with uh
1: what was it the abyss where james cameron <laughs> spent a lot of time shooting a movie in water and thought i will never ever work again yeah and don't make worked. movies in water <laughs> it I works think is what Yeah, the, we're and it's learning. like
2: water world Whose director actually didn't work again?
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. So (laughs) you've got to don't film on the ocean. You've got to make a little bit of money. Don't don't film on the ocean. Okay, joining us to talk about Jaws. Who is in the boat with me? David J. Laura is here. Hello. Hello. Uh, Don Melton is here. Hello. Hello there. Hello there, Gene McDonald. Uh, uh go inside and get a get an get an oxygen tank.
3: <laughs> I will do that.
1: Uh Dr. Drang is here. Uh he's trying to radio for help, but I've smashed the receiver.
4: But I've got my case of Apricot Brandy.
1: And <laughs> wow, there's so many panelists everybody. We're gonna need a bigger boat. It's Moises Chuyon. Hello. That's some bad hat, Jason.
5: <laughs> oh, the
1: references!
5: So many quotable lines that you only
1: just became able only to just use. realize were <laughs> references. Because for the listener, I want to point out here: I have never, before today, seen Jaws. Never mm-hmm. in uh, my life. Really? Never. Until today. How did you manage to avoid?
6: it? Well, I how was did you four years avoid...
0: old when it came out. When I, when I suggested to Jason that we do this movie, I said, he's going to reject this. He's seen it a billion times like any human being has. <laughs> but no, he's a weirdo.
6: Your parents didn't take you to the theater to traumatize you?
1: No, they
0: didn't. Mm-mm. No, they you did not catch it on ABC, because ABC aired it in perpetuity for 10 years. They paid a bunch of money for the rights, and they said, we are getting our money's worth. So every Saturday night, it's <laughs> Jaws night. You're going to watch Jaws.
3: Is it just me and Jason who never watched it before today there are two
0: of Oh you. wow oh, oh
3: my god and i grew up by the ocean i was like not going to see that uh, okay nope, nope, so we nope. have
1: two two people who hadn't seen it before i, I this is the time where uh, obligatory i need to ask everybody else what their history is with this movie don uh, i imagine that you saw it in the theater and have seen it a million times since then
6: yeah I, I was talking to david before we started i've seen it all the way through i was counting back in my head at least 25 times and that's not mm. an exaggeration I was uh, I had just graduated from high school,
1: and this is two years before Star Wars. And I guess everybody—I don't know—I was a kid. I was a little kid. I guess everybody went out and saw it because it was a huge, uh, a huge hit. Everybody w- liked the idea of taking a, a summer evening and watching people get eaten by a shark.
6: Yeah, I grew up in the desert, so I I didn't have any context. Yeah, or might as well be <laughs> aliens, quite frankly. Yeah, it was like it was like a a space movie to me you know
4: because we just shouldn't do the whole ocean thing <laughs> does everybody else have a
1: similar I mean uh, Drang did you see this uh, in the theater
4: saw it in the theater the year it came out oh, I wow. was uh, not quite 15 and it uh, you know, scared the crap out of me especially the one scene <laughs> uh, the, the, which we'll get to and uh-huh. uh, yeah, I've seen it I i uh, three four times since then
5: i was uh, i was not quite eight years from being born when it came thank out. thank you very much we're going You're to welcome. cut you from this yes. podcast
3: Moises, if you don't want or to. just
4: cut you
5: <laughs> i caught it on tv at some point when i was rather young and i i, I was an avid swimmer and it, it it made me a more avid swimmer uh <laughs> as, as a result because you know you want to you want to know that you can get away
6: why is this this explains a lot yeah. about you <laughs>
5: Yeah. I've I've seen it uh I've seen it uh yeah, dozens of times. Probably not even two dozens of times, maybe three dozens of times. It's something that uh when when you have a, a ridiculous wall of physical media to choose from in addition to streaming options and Plex library and all that kind of stuff, it's something that I can always settle on as you know, that's something I can just watch on a on a calm summer afternoon. Hmm.
1: And David, I assume you, like like me, too young to see it in the theater, but then
2: caught up and watched it maybe on ABC a million times? Oh, several times on ABC. I remember the commercials because, I mean, you and I are this, about the same age, just, you know, months apart. But I remember the commercials because they were very, very striking. And commercials for scary movies really affected me at four and five and six.
0: So, Phil, do you have anything to add to this? Uh... Yeah, you know, you know um, it, I, w- I was a lad of, of, of three when uh, Jaws came out. And, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of restrictive household you lived in, but my parents decided. No, I saw it on ABC and um,
3: <laughs> saw it. Uh,
0: finally, the unexpurgated version in college. Uh, we'll be discussing mm-hmm. that scene that gets cut out of the ABC version uh, uh, when we... Uh, re- Recap the plot. And um, uh, in uh, a couple years back for the 40th anniversary, they had it on the big screen. They did a a re-release. And Mm. I I would encourage our listeners. Yeah. If you even if you've seen it on, on on the TV a billion times, anytime you get a chance to watch it on the big screen go go do it because that that shark is very big well so uh we should
1: uh, not waste any more time phil do you want to do you want to tell us what happens in jaws which i just saw
0: yes (laughs) it is the story of the uh the little people who sell robots on the planet no yeah um, uh, (laughs) no totally different movie um Jaws starts off uh, not in a very inspiring way at a teenage beach party uh, on the coast of any town USA, which uh, where where we eventually find out is Amity Island, uh, which is it, really it's Martha's. You know, it means friendship. Yes, Amity means yeah, friendship. You. Jason, um, <laughs> they filmed it at Martha's Vineyard, and uh, if you ever go to Martha's Vineyard, you can drive around and still see things like the bridge uh, that uh, where, where the shark attack takes place. So it's all all very exciting. But
6: trust me, you can't afford to drive around at Martha's Vineyard. Let's no. Let's just get that out
0: there. Uh, anyhow, teens having fun, drinking beer, smoking cigarettes. They have to pay for their crimes. So um, one young lady uh, decides it's going to be time for a, a midnight swim. Chrissy has a name, Phil. Sorry, I don't it's have Chrissy. the cast list in front of me. It's it's Chrissy. Chrissy, yes. Perhaps I forgot her name because, well, she's not going to be with us for the most of the first act. So uh, mm-hmm. she goes out out for a swim her her drunken boyfriend uh chases after her but doesn't make it to the water uh, good for him that he had so much to drink because while she's out swimming that's when our old friend jaws swims by uh, <laughs> uh we don't who, who we never actually see we just uh we we see the shots from the the, the what we assume is the shark's perspective We see uh, her bobbing along in the water uh, happily and then not so happily as she's she's pulled underneath and thrashed about and uh, uh, puts up a good fight. But boy, and and this scene is uh, really disturbing, in part because you can't see the um, the the attacker uh, and in part because it goes on what what feels like a thousand years. Yeah, uh, I wrote to, down to, to this is not how sharks work. And I think here, here's so here's the thing. And <laughs> I have
1: a lot of theories about this movie, which I which I liked. But mm-hmm. I will say this scene is not the strongest in some ways. But I feel like it's thematically really important, which is this is an attempt to make a very commercial palatable to broad audiences. And it worked. Mm-hmm. slasher movie you'd like a horror movie and and this particular death is i would say the least realistic in terms mm-hmm. of how a shark would kill someone a shark's just going to come up and like chomp off an arm and then chomp off your legs and stuff like that and here she gets kind of pulled and dragged and tugged on and all these things and then when she's screaming for help it it feels like uh like a uh like a like a serial killer is just under the water and it's not a shark. It's like Freddy <laughs> is under the that. water stabbing her or something. Uh, because it, it just And she goes to the buoy and she gets pulled off and it seems almost supernatural in nature. The which,
0: shark represents the patriarchy.
1: Which later later Jaws movies yeah. actually suggest that, that that it may not be a shark so much as a horrible shark spirit or something, which is
6: <laughs> force, ludicrous.
5: A, a force of nature taking revenge upon
6: humans. Uh, Jason, for you and uh, Gene, because you hadn't seen the film before, not seeing the four-letter antagonist here, not even seeing the shark, what did you you think? It
5: sounds kind of like Jason thinks this movie does not accurately portray (laughs) the way that sharks work in the real world. I actually think
1: it does better later, (laughs) but I, I, I I can't speak for Gene, but I would say that I... Um I had, I know so much about this movie including the fact that right. they had this sh- this mechanical shark that didn't work very well and so I kind of went in expecting to not see the shark almost at all I actually saw more of the shark than I thought um, and more than but you here should have. I, it's it's super effective like mm. not seeing the yeah. shark is very effective and it is although I had that moment of like this is not how sharks work as a horror movie slasher movie first kill I think it's really, I mean, this Spielberg kid, he's got something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's really well done. I think, it, I think it's very well done. It's not shark-like in any way, really, but yeah. it is very well I done. One
3: thing about the um, beginning. So, you know, as Jason says, like, even if you haven't seen this movie until today, you have seen bits and pieces of this throughout sure. your life because you can't avoid it. And so I sort of knew how that first scene was going to go, uh, especially the first couple of, like, brushes by with the shark bits are very scary.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's literally a horror movie setup. Shark or no shark. Yeah. It is that is right. exactly what you expect is going to happen.
3: I back when the movie came out, I thought maybe I'll read the book and then I could see the movie, but I started the book and the, literally this is the first scene in the book as well, except that the story is that this young woman and and her drunken boyfriend run off on the beach and he's he totally Uh, Says, no, let's let's fool around, you know, they have sex on the beach. And then she's like, I need to go for a swim now. So it's really even creepier, you know, as vengeance, the shark, you Mm -hmm. know, representing the patriarchy or whatever is this, you know, this woman just, you know she's a slut and so she's gonna get eaten
0: the book is more explicitly a birds a birds type situation then with the where the birds in alfred hitchcock's movie have yeah. to, to have to punish people for for having impure thoughts or whatever the, <laughs> yeah. the hell that movie is about
3: Was <laughs> well, yeah that you know that is a little you know i stopped reading after that because i was like yeah i can picture this really well it doesn't matter whether i see it or i read it uh and actually it doesn't matter and it turns out i never really went into the ocean again um after the age of 15 so. well um.
6: that, that that'll do it for uh for a lot of people the thing that struck me um about this scene was where it was shot at the the eye line and the perspective mm-hmm. as a as an artist i was struck by And, and, you know, it's old now, but back then, if someone was going to describe this to me, you might envision, you know, being above the water and looking down on the girl, but being right there at the waterline, and this is much more prevalent later on, was was just immersive and claustrophobic at the same time. When I saw it the second time in the theater, the number of people who were craning their heads up you know to get their heads above the water
1: <laughs> you're not actually being submerged audience it's just a movie yeah wa- was
6: yeah. uh and so early in the film struck me uh, mm. uh and it's just visceral to put the eye line down there what it does to you
0: it is fascinating for for a movie that takes place on the water how claustrophobic it is yeah. At, yeah. at points
3: yeah and the and the sound design as well gives you that perspective because you know it's going between underwater and above the water and the sound totally works like that that's what it sounds like when you're swimming and and pulling your head up above the water
1: and the score is there from the very start this is that i mean it's one of the most (laughs) famous scores in movie history people it's very rare that you get people quoting a gore by making the noises but like there's psycho and there's jaws and i feel like they're they're on this level where people quote the sound of the movie to indicate what happens in the movie and it's there in the first 15 seconds of this movie basically they're doing it while the while the credits
4: are still rolling Uh, yeah it's it's Right? right there
1: yeah yeah that's john williams kid he's gonna he's got a future too i think Yeah, I suspect. He's he's got chops. (laughs) This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Clear. Clear makes your life safer, simpler, and more secure by letting you be your own ID so you can get through security faster at airports and stadiums. Clear works by using your eyes and fingertips to get you through security because you are your best ID. Clear helps you get through security faster in more than 50 stadiums and airports across the country. They have family plans available, plus kids under 18 travel free with a Clear member. It's super easy to set up. Create an account online in the comfort of your own home, and then when you get to the airport, you'll meet a Clear ambassador, and that person will help you with the rest. It's a great way to get through airport security. Listeners to The Incomparable can get their first two months of Clear for free by going to clearme.com slash Snell and using code Snell. So go check it out, clearme.com slash Snell and use code Snell. That's C-L-E-A-R-M-E.com slash Snell, S-N-E-L-L, and use that code Snell at checkout. It's my name. And you can get two free months of Clear. Thank you to Clear for supporting The Incomparable before we move out of the original the first kill i want to mention one thing uh that kind Mm -hmm. of is broad but i think it's most clearly in this scene which is the you know steven spielberg bit off a lot with shooting all these um ocean scenes and obviously it famously ran way too long i think most most of the ocean stuff looks great there are a couple of scenes where he really struggles with lighting there's one scene later that's supposed to be at night that is followed by a scene that's supposed to be during the day and they're literally the same lighting um, that's very confusing when they're on the water but it's this opening scene where he's trying really hard but there's like there's a, a couple of different sunsets theres yep, you can see the Sun <laughs> there's the there's the day for night where you've got uh, so it's supposed to be at sunset but there's bright glints on the water when we're above the water it's very clearly in the daytime and then un- when we're underneath although the shark's eye view is is very effective, uh, our uh, damsel in distress is backlit by a noontime sun and that's just I had that moment as an adult where I'm like, wow, you really had a hard time with the lighting of this scene didn't you? Still pretty effective but you could but technically uh, these there are a few moments here where you can see the degree of difficulty that Spielberg faced in trying to get what he wanted to get out of this movie. Well
0: it's it's that old uh, sailor saying Jason it's red 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 sky and morning sailors take warning. Red sun and night Spielberg takes fright uh, okay thank you. What happens next, Phil? So, um, at this point, uh, poor Chrissy is dead, but we get to meet, uh, Chief Brody, uh, who's played by Roy Scheider, uh, at this point in, um, in cinematic history, Roy Scheider is quite the, uh, quite the hot item. Because he's been in The French Connection, he's been in The Marathon Man, he's been in a whole bunch of things. So he is something of a uh, of a leading man. Get and uh, he is a New York City cop who has had enough of New York City and has come to the the peace and calm. So he thinks of uh, of Amity Island, because Amity means friendship, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we find out that he and his wife uh, may well be the the uh, worst parents in the history of the world because throughout the movie they're like oh where are the kids oh they're playing by the highway on the rusty swings oh, it was the them. 70s phil <laughs> mm-hmm. free range
4: kids yep yeah
0: so they yeah, survived they're down by the ocean it takes me back
6: everybody was still medicated i mean it was leftover <laughs> You've seen that've had
0: your tetanus shot, so anyhow <laughs> that he gets the he gets a phone call hey there's a missing girl uh let's go out to the beach to 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 find her uh and uh well boy, do they find her um and so have the crabs apparently because there is a mm. there are limbs and and all sorts of viscera and it's uh it's gross it is so
5: well, it, this really is quite a pg movie uh with parental guidance suggested
3: mm-hmm yeah.
6: I want to go back to the scene in the kitchen and a very Spielbergian thing that he does to create realism and intimacy. And you can see him just do it all over the f- film. This is, it's this whole idea of multiple people talking at once in multiple scenes. It's Roy Scheider mm-hmm. talking on the phone to uh, probably his deputy. And uh, Lorraine Gary as the mom, uh, with her son, you know, cleaning her wound and stuff like that. And it's that Spielberging immersiveness in real life that he really cares about. He wants you know, he he wants you to feel you know, this is not the Donna Reed show. You know, so it's not...
1: A... I would say for a mid-70s movie, The Overlapping Dialogue too. I always think about your Robert, Robert Altman, Altman kind of movies. I, I
6: think, oh, it's totally Altman. I, I think yeah, The Overlapping totally Dialogue
1: Altman. is really effective. There's a later scene where, he, where he's on the beach where there's some guy who's trying to ask him for a favor or something while he's trying to listen to the people yeah, and look exactly. for the shark and all of that. And I, I think throughout this movie, there's a lot of great moments of overlapping dialogue that really kind of get into you, get put you in the mind of Roy Scheider, who is like really tense and frustrated and trying to I'm figure trying out what he's going to do. I'm trying to focus on do. a shark here, buddy. <laughs> exactly right. It's, yeah. it's
0: very effective. So... Uh, Brody is back at the station. He's getting the report from the coroner. Uh, we don't hear what the coroner says, but we, we certainly, uh, can guess because Brody is filling out the autopsy, um, paperwork and he types in probable cause of death, shark attack.
1: So Phil, this coroner stuff leads us into another portion of the movie, which is the idea that the mayor and generally townspeople, but the mayor and the city council in, 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 specific are horrible people yep who don't yep. <laughs> really care about uh people getting eaten by sharks because they're a summer vacation town and they would hate there to be
0: bad pr uh caused by a couple of kids getting eaten by a shark well jason you say you say barracuda people say what's that you say shark mm. you've got a panic on your hands Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So that, yes, the mayor is uh, uh, beautifully played, I would say, by Murray Hamilton. I agree. Uh, mm. Yeah. S- sporting some of the worst uh, sports jackets uh, in <laughs> captivity. Yeah.
3: I had to keep reminding myself that they didn't just get a bunch of awesome 1970s props for yeah,
4: this movie. Yeah, it was just right they there.
3: were from the 1970s. Yeah. It was very realistic for the seventies. The yes. thing I
5: found most vivid and realistic about the mayor is that he is so realistic uh, as as regards uh, middle managers and politicians and people um, who who serve in some official capacity uh, who will just make up the most ridiculous substantiation for the most dangerous. Um, Horrible, neglectful behavior possible um, the, you, you almost want to take this as over the top, but it is so real having uh, as I get older uh, in, in my young old age, um, I, I find that I have run into so many people. So very much exactly like this guy in real life um, that I, I don't even find him funny. I find him to be a more compelling villain uh, as, as each year passes. Yeah,
4: I, I had the same thing when, when I was, a, <clears throat> when I was a kid, I thought he was over the top. He's really, he's underplaying it. He's, you know, yeah. He, he, yeah. He, <laughs> people are worse I, than I'll, that. I'll,
0: I'll give a contrasting view. Uh, I, I have a certain degree of sympathy for, for, for Mayor Larry. Although he's (laughs) apparently still mayor in the second movie. I have not seen Jaws 2. How how is he still mayor? (laughs) How how did that happen? Yeah. uh, He at at the heart, he, he has what he thinks is the town's best interest. Uh, in his mind because we're we're a a tourist town if the tourists die we die Um, but I think the real actually the the unheralded villain of the piece is the newspaper editor who's played by the screenwriter Carl (laughs) Gottlieb who just is a toady and is is just Mm. running this Pravda-like newspaper out of uh, out of Amity Island he's he is terrible. And by that, it's a very fine performance by Carl Gottlieb, who ended up cutting much of his own part. One of
1: the um, things I like about The Mayor, I, I do f- find it realistic. That's that Again, as an adult watching this movie, the idea that there would be pressure and that they would, that, you know, in the end, they don't really care about public safety uh, unless it's a, a a real PR problem for them, and if they can suppress it and hope it goes away, that is a very realistic uh, portrayal, and I like it. I and I I think one of the payoffs is after the second victim, after the kid gets uh, gets killed by the shark, and Roy Scheider is later confronted by his mother, who's wearing all black and is mourning and uh, her her son. It's it's good that she brought her
5: mourning gear with her to, to the beach. To, to, to the beach for, for her summer days. Well, she's
1: looking to find Roy mm-hmm. Sharpe. So she dresses him down. She yells at him. And we know that he tried to close the beaches and was basically rebuffed by all the all po- poli- politicians in the town. But, um, but he also lets her... He's not going to try to talk to this lady her son just got eaten by a shark so he takes it it, and then she walks away and he's like a bigger man by by taking it and the mayor says oh that's that's all wrong you don't deserve that and it's a great moment because that's when Roy Roy Scheider looks at the mayor and basically says I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna go along with all of your bs guy I'm totally complicit in this because I went along with it the last time and it's really that moment where he's trying to kind of close ranks with Roy Scheider and bring him in it's like it's us versus them and Roy Scheider's like no uh uh-uh. uh, no. This is why that kid died is because I listened to you, and I I thought it was really a great moment where the easy thing to do is just kind of close ranks with the mayor, and Roy Scheider just can't do it after he's been dressed down by the 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 dead kid's mom.
6: Yeah, that's that's essentially the end of the first act because we take a a different turn. Oh after boy, do that.
4: we? <laughs> we yeah. do. We we have to go back a little bit though. I'm mean, here I, because I have in my notes geyser of blood written down yes. for,
2: for the kids. That dad. was a great movie by Chris.
4: <laughs> now, now, wait a minute. I'm going to fight you over the physics
5: of this geyser of blood. That was very realistic.
0: Um, so, yeah, Brody wants to... Ch- Close the beach, the mayor and the the city council says, hey, this is your first summer here, new guy. You don't want to make a bad decision. So he's he's kind of bullied into not doing it. And it brings us to this nondescript holiday, whether it's Memorial Day or Flag Day or what have you, where um, it just seems to be the locals of uh, Amity Island are out on the beach um, and. Uh, uh there's the little kitner boy who takes his raft out and other people are out in the water and uh and then we get that that kill shot which uh so before the geyser of blood i i think one of the great things about this
1: scene and it's an example of of i think spielberg's mastery is the and the, the screenplay sets it up is this movie's called jaws right like Somebody's gonna get it here, and it we we a lot of time. There are a lot of different shots. It's like, is it this lady? Are these are? Is it gonna be these teens? Is it the dog? It is the dog. Uh, is it this kid with his mom and the raft and all of that? And and you know every shot. And Roy Scheider, we're with him, right? So he's getting that guy's talking to him, and he's trying to watch everybody because he's trying to look for a shark attack. And it's super tense. It's amazing.
5: That 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 right there is the is the first instance of a split diopter shot, which away from the fancy terminology um, is, is where the foreground and the background are both in focus at the exact same time. Right. And, uh, it, it is one of the, the visual moves in the movie, um, that is most iconic. Is it present in other movies? Yeah, sure. Totally. Um, but this being such a big, huge mass, um, uh, mass, uh, uh success, um, is where a lot of people, came to know it from like this is the origin point of a lot of people knowing that bit of visual language and it's used really beautifully in exactly the dynamic that you're talking about um, with you know who's going to get done by what and of course
1: dangers in the background Roy Scheider's in the foreground what's going on in the background it's just really well constructed and I I was enjoying the whole thing knowing presumably at some point somebody's going to get killed by a shark here but like you (laughs) don't know who it is and it's uh, and, and the scene just plays it for a long time it's
0: great. Yeah, it's even, great. even before, the fake out is good with uh, with Harry and his and his bad hat. Um, and, and then,
5: following right on the heels of that, we also get the Hitchcocky and Dolly Zoom uh, when stuff really does finally go down.
6: Before the Dolly Zoom, uh, I heard uh, Spielberg uh, talk about he really originally wanted that whole scene on the beach to be one of his famous, you know, extended shots, but he couldn't do that and cover everything. That he did which is why he had people walk in front of the camera and do natural wipes back and forth Uh, and it's those natural wipes that he thought would make it more extended and also let you see that it's all about what uh Chief Brody's point of view is, what he's seeing and what he's not seeing.
1: Yeah, what he's hearing when the guy gets in his face, too. And it's like, get out of—we're all sitting there going, get out of my way. Shut up, dude.
0: I don't care what you're saying. I I don't know. I've seen this movie so many times, I'm actually now interested in that guy's problems, which (laughs) appear to be uh, a parking situation where someone is in a red zone.
6: It's just a simple red zone. There's that moment
1: elsewhere in the movie where he's trying to do the closing the beaches thing, and instead what they want is they want the kid they want to find the kids who defaced the sign and put up the shark on the on the welcome to Amity sign <laughs> like this is what you should be doing there are
4: kids karate chopping picket fences all over <laughs> yeah. Amity that's yeah. the it's real
1: terrible. real menace to this this town
6: but the other thing i would I, I would point out about the way that scene was shot you know i was talking about claustrophobia with the water before that whole scene with brody and the way everything is cropped uh, tight, it's like the way the scene with uh, the mayor and Hooper and Brody in front of the shark sign later on. It's like, why is Spielberg cropping that and shooting the angle so odd? He's he's trying to create this claustrophobia and put you out of your comfort zone, and you know, narrow the scope of the problem. It's really really insidious and then you know in the third act he does the same kind of stuff when we finally get to the boat and you know it took me four or five viewings before i started to notice this to step away and notice this stuff and it's just like a master class in filmmaking here and this was the guy's second film yeah he's, yeah, got, that, he's this going boy's he's going to go far <laughs> yeah
0: Phil, where, where are we now? So we've, we've had the Kitner boy uh, go up in the geyser of blood. and uh, <laughs> Much more shark-like, I thought. Much yeah, that, more that, of what I kid, think yeah. of as a shark killing, which yeah, is, ah,
1: that, blood!
5: Yeah. That, that kid sure did have a whole lot of blood in him. <laughs> <laughs> he was a
1: very bloody child.
5: Yeah. He
0: had twice the <laughs> amount of blood he, he was, of a normal child. He was pretty much out. just
1: blood. I think some of the dog blood was in there, too. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Mm. So, um... It's time for a town meeting. One of the most productive. If you've ever been to a town meeting, this is the uh-huh. town meetingest of them all. Um, where uh, Mrs. Kitner has put out a three thousand dollar bounty on the shark. I don't have my nineteen seventy five dollar converter going on, but that's that's quite a bit a bit of scratch. That's A lot of money. Yeah, and they're 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 uh, again at the meeting. Brody says, "Oh, I'm gonna close uh, close the beaches," which people are not terribly happy about, because the closing it for just 24 hours, which is what the mayor jumps in and says, ah, we're just closing them for 24 hours. Don't worry. Even that causes the uh, the local business people to do the the murmuring and the rhubarb and the, the oh, uh, uh, Brody, Brody, Brody.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, uh. it's about $14,000 so, $14, in, in 2019 dollars, by the
3: way. Good. So, I,
0: I was vamping there just for a you pretty to penny. Yes. That up. So, while all that rhubarbing is going on, this is when we are introduced to Quint, who, um, is the local, um, local fisherman and, uh, local crank and, uh, uh, local mysterious
5: rugged stranger
0: laughing sea captain local old salt, but, uh, he is eating his crackers. Um, and he says, Oh God, and catch you. He, he's apparently a shark hunter. Yep. We, as we, we find out later with all those shark jaws that he has around, um and he offers to go out and uh and kill the fish, but he wants more than three thousand dollars to do it. I think he says ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand, yeah, yeah, on delivery. Yep. Yeah. And uh no, I don't want any volunteers, I'm going out alone and and the mayor says, Ah, well we'll take that under advisement, which is uh another way of him saying no, but basically this is to introduce us to Robert Shaw in the movie, who um gives a really good performance. He'll be back. <laughs> so, so the bounty is out, and uh, one of my favorite scenes is the scene where every idiot fisherman in uh, New England descends upon the, the harbor, and um, you get the harbor master who walks out and just sees all these people and and, and smiles so happily, because I, I guess, is he paid by the number of fishermen who go out? I don't know. Possibly but he's, so. he's He's very thrilled. Um, uh, and what becomes readily apparent is that everyone um, who's going out in the boat to hunt the shark is horribly overmatched. Uh, whether it's the guy who's hauling around sticks of dynamite, whether it's the uh, flotilla that about 20 people are trying to get on. and this is where we meet Richard Dreyfus who is playing uh, Matt Hooper who is a uh, from the Oceanography Institute College boy. Co- fancy college boy with his stuff and he and he's brought in by bro brody to uh to uh talk uh basically uh offer something non-rube like about this shark to uh <laughs> yeah. to uh d- uh deliver some uh measure of expertise
1: yeah and he he's uh dreyfus uh, i really enjoy him in this movie and it is funny the way that you've got these different types you've got the old salt in in Quint, and you've got the super stressed lawman with uh, with uh, Roy Scheider's character, and then you've got Dreyfus, who is this you know shark enthusiast know it all, and it's a good, yeah. it's a great combination. He does also proves that the, this absolutely was no boating accident. Which come on, we already knew, but the, you know the mayor doesn't want to believe it and uh, ends up being a, a key part of that final uh, final act when they're out on the boat. But I, I enjoy Dreyfus in this a lot, is because he is like gleefully enthusiastic about sharks in a way that shall we say quint given what we learned of his history is not
0: <laughs> yes yeah. and and but richard dreyfus the characters wound very tightly as we learn in that autopsy scene with the with the do not smoke in here yeah. and, and the, yeah. yeah
6: he's also he's also projecting that um Sense of privilege yeah well mm-hmm.
0: that's the that's why I said college boy like
1: that that's what yeah. what everybody reacts to him is like oh you're a you know a fancy it's the you know it's it's uh you could paint it as anti-intellectualism, but it's also sort of like he's got the book learning, but he doesn't really have the, like, like what Quint has, which is the, the true hard earned uh, He's not experience. a real
5: working man is what he's not. He's not a real working man. And, and yeah, you know, but, but at the
1: same time, also his enthusiasm for sharks. I think the point the movie is making is if he had been around more of them, he would not be as enthusiastic about them. <laughs>
3: mm. <laughs> I like to think of him as his character from American Graffiti went to college and studied, went to graduate school in marine biology, and then he ended up in uh, Amity Island.
0: This is what happens when you never get to meet Suzanne Somers. Gene has nailed it. Gene (laughs) has nailed
6: it. This is a sequel to American Graffiti. I I
2: once watched this back-to-back with The Goodbye Girl, and if you imagine him as his character from that, it's even more fun. Mm -hmm. Both movies
0: are more fun. These idiot fishermen find a shark. It is not the shark, though. Um, which Hooper tries to explain to him and again if you ever see this movie in the theater this is the the, the line that gets the biggest laugh. laughs it the the, the uh, you got the two uh, fishermen arguing over what kind of uh, shark it is and uh, Hooper pipes in tiger shark and the one um, fisherman turns around and goes oh what and just the, <laughs> the audience explains loads during that line it is it is great so that just just see it for that alone besides the fact that the shark is humongous on a movie screen so anyhow they they've the town has decided um uh both the mayor the the corrupt newspaper editor uh even roy roy scheider is in in on this that this is the shark uh and this is of course the scene that jason mentioned earlier where mrs kitner shows up to confront uh about uh not closing the beaches earlier um Hooper does n- not think that they have caught the shark because of the the autopsy, where the size of the mouth of the tiger shark is not the same as the the wounds on poor Chrissy. Yeah, the bite and radius wa- or whatever it is. He, he, wa- he wants cut- shark, no. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to uh, uh, cut. He wants to cut the that fish open because they have a very slow digestive system, and uh, um, the mayor objects and no, I don't want to see that Kittner boy spilling out on the dock, but. Um, after uh, Roy Scheider consumes an ungodly amount of alcohol, yes, uh, they, yeah, pouring the bottle of wine that uh, Hooper has brought over into his uh, into his cocktail, because why? Why waste a glass? Mm-hmm. Um, they go out to the the dock, cut open the shark, and lo and behold, it's it's not really a uh, it's not the shark, nothing but the... fish
1: and a Louisiana license plate and a tin exactly. can, exactly. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. And now here's the scene that gets cut out of the ABC version. Uh, Hooper decides, "Hey, I'm going to go out on the boat and see if we can uh, we can find this the shark." Um, and they come across an old uh, an old fishing a fishing boat that's apparently oh, yeah. in distress. And uh, Hooper puts on his wetsuit and is going to go swim around. And yeah, it's in distress because there was a fisherman in it and a shark rammed into its hull and. Uh, that fisherman is missing an missing eye. Missing an eye, yep. <laughs> Yeah, and has, has has looked better. And this was the version that I saw for the first time in college. Didn't realize it was actually part of the movie. I'm sitting there with my friends watching this on videotape, and I screamed like a grandmother during that scene. Oh, oh my, God. my goodness. As we know, screaming
5: it's, is a common it's a, behavior of grandmothers.
1: It's a, it's, it is. <laughs> it's a great scene that apparently Spielberg really wanted, and so we want to put it in. It's a great <laughs> jump scene. And, and before you get out yeah. there on the boat the second time to have this kind of nighttime thing, and there's a creepy, deserted boat that's a half wreck and and then he's like well i'm gonna go in the water and you're like no nobody go in the water it's jaws don't you know what movie you're in and then he (laughs) finds the shark tooth and you're like aha it is a great white shark you're gonna get eaten by a shark and then suddenly jump scare, dead fisherman in the boat and uh it's
3: great
0: fisherman it's great
3: yeah oh yeah i definitely jumped at that moment and i didn't know about it nope uh you know (laughs) In advance.
4: Oh, oh my God! But when, well, imagine yourself as being 14 or 15 years old, and you yeah. see it. Oh my God! This was the, this step. This stayed with me
6: yeah.
4: f- on f- 20 <laughs> years or so until the next time I saw the movie. It's not like I was scared of the movie, but my God, this this was this was the this is the part of the. I mean, there are all sorts. they are nice pieces in this movie. But this is the visceral part of the movie that's that stuck with me uh, for ages afterward. It has never affected me anymore because it just it, it, it's entirely the surprise. It's entirely the tension of he's going to get hit by the shark. He's going to get. Are you really going to kill R- Richard Dreyfus this early in the movie? Oh, well, they did it with Janet Lee, Maybe they'll do it with him. And and then some, and it's just no, it's just an, it's just a head without mm-hmm. an eye. Yep. Ah!
1: It's great. It's great and creepy and a good a good like diversion from all of this sun and sand and stuff that we've gotten to get the kind of like ooh out on the ocean at night. It's super creepy, which is important because we're gonna be, go back there later and it's gonna be creepy
4: again. And I thought and, and that was effective thing. This
0: was an effective uh, uh, use of night night
4: filming. As yeah, for opposed sure. To for sure. Some of the earlier scenes. It's also foreshadowing that Hooper is a butterfly. <laughs> yes. Yes. yes, that's true. Yes.
0: That's true. Yeah, not 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 to give anything away. My my daughter who's very young uh, did I. Don't let her watch the first half of the movie. But once we get to the the three men on a boat portion, that is <laughs> actually not very scary uh for an eight-year-old uh and and she's well, the watching exception that, to
5: the point where the one guy gets digested well, that, by the that shark part,
0: that part she we politely excused her from the room but um there's another point where butterfingers hooper drops a thing and she goes oh that guy always dropping things <laughs> so,
6: <laughs> so uh that, that that's fun but in both cases he's been shocked just like the audience that's when yeah, he's that's he drops right. that that's,
0: very important piece of evidence yeah. that the mayor says i don't see any uh, shark tooth uh, i think it's all fine and that brings us to the scene in front of the billboard that the local kids had defaced. Ruffians, vandalism. Um, yeah, do your job. You, you gotta, you gotta close down the beach, Mayor. I'm not. We're we're not closing down the beach. It's Fourth of July. This is gonna be our best Fourth of July ever. Um, and that brings us to the Fourth of July, the best Fourth of July oh, ever. I think we'll all agree. What a disaster!
1: It is so great <laughs> in that I just wrote down that it, the the Fourth of July disaster on so many la- levels. The mayor. Uh, all the little views we get of the shark as the shark. Uh, shark. There's a fake shark where it's those damn kids who've got a fake shark and they get pulled out, but then the woman sees the shark in the estuary going into the like the little lake part, and she's like, ah, it's a shark! And they run over there and his kid is over there. And it's like, it's super, uh, it's just, it's very effective in, in being like this, it, whole thing should not be happening. I very much <laughs> felt for Roy Scheider, like, you know the mayor did this we're trying to watch we got we got spotters out there and it's just we got uh, helicopters uh, and <laughs>
6: well, and you, you you missed talking about the Peter Benchley doing his Stan Lee oh, cameo yeah, there. Oh,
0: yes. The Peter Benchley cameo as the newsman, which leads to the wonderful moment. And, and this, this sort of fits in with uh, Moises' theory as who's the real monster, the shark or the mayor? Where the, the mayor <laughs> is giving the interview and says, well, they're a large predator that supposedly injured some bathers. And I... Mm-hmm. I I, I was just struck by that line watching at this time that, that, boy, you can't even say that there was a, that there was an attack. What he's saying
1: is it's fake news, Phil. There, there was a fatal case of aquatic death, uh, mm-hmm. allegedly.: <laughs> Yeah, allegedly, mm-hmm. allegedly but uh but very very exciting scene with uh, again more people in the water and we're like who's going to die who's going to die and turns out yeah. like, no it's over
0: there and then and yes. then there's a guy the, over they, there who's going to die there's the fake amount and the best thing about the <laughs> fake amount with the with the kids with the the fake shark fin um first off that they're that when they pop up there's 80 sharpshooters waiting to to send them <laughs> to hell. Um, second but, off I, I I just really love the beach panic scenes and how awful people are cuz there's at least two shots of fat white guys knocking over people on rafts and Yeah, little, tram- little knocking, kids trampling, trampling children, children repeatedly. Children uh-huh.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. I also like that the second kid who didn't have a shark fin but was part of operation shark fin is like he made me do it it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he just immediately He's obviously rolls on the his the accomplice. younger brother. Yep. Oh, it's great. There's a lot a lot of good human observations about human nature in these scenes with the
0: public <laughs> mm-hmm. on Amity Island. <laughs> But but as Jason has mentioned, the real problem is not in the beach, but it's in the estuary where, unfortunately, Chief Brophy's son is trying out his new boat with all his little pals. and uh oh, no. And, yeah. the, and the, a crusty New Englander is trying to explain to them about proper boating thing. <laughs> oh, but that's when the shark <laughs> pops up and the hippie painter can't save them. She's got shark, shark, but no one can hear her. And... Boys, you got to What you got to do with the fish line You do it, the, and then the shark knocks over his boat, and we see all, all sorts of limbs floating around.
5: Well, that's what you get for mansplaining on the well, island. Well, the leg falling uh, to the yeah. bottom is spectacular.
6: <laughs> that's actually more traditionally shot until they go into the water to take it uh, from the perspective of Brody's son. But going back to the crowd on the beach, that's another time where uh, Spielberg drops right to water level when he's covering the panic Mm -hmm. and you don't know what's below that line and you're just freaking out because you can't see a shark or anything else. Uh, When they're in the estuary there, you can actually see the shark. There's no need to do that trick anymore. And I thought that was a very interesting thing that he didn't use that then. In terms of her perspective,
1: I, I think the moments that we see the shark in these scenes are pretty effective. In that they're really quick cuts, and you're you're finally seeing something, but it's very quick, and and it's just this big thing, and it looks kind of like a shark, and then we move on. And I think it's I think uh, the shark in this part with the very small views of it was pretty effective.
3: One of the things I liked about the lead up to this scene was the showing not one but two huge ferry boats with people debarking, and all I could think was disembarking. I guess we say. Oh uh, it was like like did the shark order like take out and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh that's perfect <laughs> So many more people than you than were, were supposed to be there. It was like a big smorgasbord. You know, if I were shark. directing this
0: movie, and maybe this is why Spielberg has a career and I don't, I cut to the shark at that point, rubbing his fins together, going, oh boy, <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. Uh, that
1: would have been a different tone for sure.
0: Yeah, that, it really would have changed. Would watch. Quite the, it takes to, uh, the shark does it take to the camera where he sort of raises his eyebrows. Gina,
6: I just want you to know, I am never going to be able to watch this movie again <laughs> and not think of that when the boats show up. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Ooh, Jaws, take out. Jaws,
5: <laughs> Jaws, uh, Jaws put in a door dash order. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So
0: fortunately, uh, Brody's kid is not killed. He just, uh, is in shock and has to go to the hospital, which is where finally the mayor is confronted and he's a gibbering mess. um, uh Brody makes him sign an order that we're gonna hire Quint you know that crusty old seaman from the from the earlier in the movie we're gonna bring him back in and uh we're gonna give him all the apple brandy he wants and uh uh go and kill that shark and now we enter
1: yes the entirely different movie that happens next which is (laughs) three men in a boat (laughs) three men in a boat the last hour of the film
0: the story behind that is that uh spielberg apparently read benchley's original script and is all "Eh, okay and what what spielberg liked about the story was the portion of the story that was the three guys on a boat trying to go hunt down a shark that was what intrigued him so when he uh agreed to do the movie he said basically i'm going to use the first uh uh two acts of the movie to set up this bit, because this bit is the interesting bit. Here's the payoff. Um right. and so yes, we have uh Quint and Hooper and uh and Brody sailing out to sea to go uh to go catch themselves a great white shark. Yay and I'm sure it'll yay. go well. Yeah, Yeah. Nothing
1: can stop them now. (laughs) Among the amazing things that happens is the long uh, Quint monologue where he tells the story, now more famous, made famous by Jaws, in fact, of the U.S. of Indianapolis, which delivered the atomic bomb and was secret. And so upon upon uh, returning toward home, got sunk and they didn't have a distress call and they were in the water and it was shark infested waters and hundreds and hundreds of sailors were killed in a shark feeding frenzy, and uh, he tells this story in a long monologue as Richard Dreyfus becomes increasingly uh, horrified about the story. Yeah.
4: Sober. Yeah. This, is, so- this, is, this is
5: following. Very this is following respectful. one of the one of the best bits of character development in the movie, where they're they're comparing battle wounds, um, and you you get Roy Scheider doesn't jump in, but you see him you know checking his own and and, and up. Yeah. his reluctance to in itself is uh, is is something interesting, uh, and it it to this day is is still the kind of thing that I can kind of be half watching the movie. Uh, in the background while I'm doing something else. Uh, and I just set everything down from the moment they start comparing Scars.
0: But before we get to that scene, because of my terrible notes, we've skipped over perhaps the most famous line in the movie because they have the bits where they're hunting the shark and there's a fake amount where uh, they, the shark bites the line and uh, goes under the boat and the line breaks. And, and there's an argument between uh, uh, Quint and Hooper as to whether it was the shark or just some other game fish. It was probably the shark, but um, then there is a the scene where Chief Brody is uh, feeding the chum live and throwing the rotten fish into the into the sea uh, to to attract the shark. And boy, does that attract the shark because it pops up right behind Chief Brody. And this is really <laughs> the first time that we uh, that we see the monster. Right.
1: Yeah, and you, you say the monster, and I, I think it's worth mentioning that I, I was another observation I had while watching this is by using a real animal um you know they in this movie they're trying to impart some sort of uh you know maybe there's some sort of intelligence to the shark that it, it it knows that these are it's you know they're try, it's trying to be killed by these guys and so it's trying to stop that and all that in later movies again the shark seems a little more like a like a magical force and it struck me that so many modern movies like this have supernatural Enemies, a- they're aliens or they're ghosts or whatever it is, or monsters, and I can see why. Because on one level, like Jaws is is straining to play by the rules of this is a real shark. Uh, it needs to act like a real right. shark and not like some kind of magical creature. And I can see why it's an easier movie if there's an uh, you know an alien or a sea monster or something than if it's an actual mm-hmm. animal. But Jaws is playing fair. Uh, you know as much as it can throughout this movie, and i I could see why it 's easier to do it with something more fantastical than a than just a a, a great white shark, which is plenty monster for me, but I think it 's interesting that that, that it 's so easy to to want to amp up the stakes, and if you do that, then it can 't really be a real animal anymore and so that's the purity of this right is they're trying to play by the rules and I and I appreciate that and it does there is that great moment where as Phil said this is the line that everybody knows even me which is you're going to need a bigger boat what I didn't realize is that Roy Scheider is so hung up on the size of the shark that he spends uh, the next 10 minutes really trying to convince Quint to go back in and get a bigger boat because they shouldn't be out here in this little boat because that shark is enormous did you see the size of that thing and he says we're going to need a bigger boat you're going
0: to need a bigger boat like three times we're going to get a bigger boat aren't we yeah it's great <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> this, this is a good time to actually talk about the dialogue and the script writing because it's it's one might argue that this is the exact opposite way of how you'd want to write a movie and yet it, oh, yes. it, it it turned out very well because they have <laughs> the, the the agreement with peter benchley was he gets to write the first draft and that was in part to uh, get Peter Benchley on board and in part because there was going to be a writer's strike and he wasn't union so he could continue working on the script even if there was a strike he wrote a terrible script even by his <laughs> own admission he uh, doesn't do character very well and um, Uh, And they had a couple of people take a crack at it. Uh, Spielberg knew Carl Gottlieb, kind of liked that he was funny, thought the script needed funniness to it, says, hey, punch this up. And what they ended up doing is basically writing the scenes they were going to shoot the night before. Um, with they, they would basically have the actors around and talk over what they were going to do, and then uh, Gottlieb would go back and pound something out, and they'd kind of use that, and there would be uh, improvisation like Roy Scheider's line or the Indianapolis speech, which uh, – uh, there's disputes about who contributed the most to that, but some people say it was mostly Robert Shaw who put that together.
2: Gottlieb said yeah. that.
3: I was excited, you know, to meet all these characters that I had heard about and sort of read about, and and I was happy that I didn't have to actually suffer through too many gory, or actually not very gory at all. Let's face it, you know, to today's audience. I mean, mm-hmm. I've watched binge watched seasons of CSI, one show of which has <laughs> many grosser things yeah. than than this entire oh, movie.
5: Some of the reference photos that they looked at of, of actual shark attacks were more gory yeah. than what's in the movie itself.
6: <laughs> Spielberg was doing that to put the pictures in your
5: head. He could get away with it with the the studio sensors because well look, it's in it's in a textbook. I mean, you know, what do you <laughs> yeah. want me to do? It's science.
6: But, you know, because he knew when they did the first live demo of Bruce the Man- mechanical shark because he's sitting in a boat watching the demonstration with uh, the the two producers and he knows that he's screwed because he knows that uh, even though he didn't want to show the sh- shark in the first reel, he's going to be lucky if he's going to be able to see it in the third act. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really brilliant what they do because i have talked to people who you know saw the film back in the 70s or as old as i was and then you know they didn't have abc so they they didn't watch it 30 <laughs> times and they you know they watched it again back in you know sometime this century and they were like you know i could have sworn i saw that shark more
0: it's it's very yeah. reminiscent of the uh, thing from another
4: world, where you don't actually yeah. mm-hmm. see yeah. the monster in full until like the, the the towards the end. I do want to say something though before we get into before we pass up here because we there was something before the drinking uh, scene and and before that we got to get a better boat that's that's important and that's Chekhov's air tank. Ah uh, yes. <laughs> yes yes so, yes. Careful which, with those they're which explosive. Is a, Dreyfus That's does such right. a good
5: job of masking expository dialogue, uh, you yeah. know, shouting <laughs> and "Hey!" And there it is. Hey,
4: it seems it perfectly is, normal. Yeah, and we also get uh, we also get a nice little bit of uh, of Quint there with Brody after the blow up with, with well not literal blow up the figurative blow up with Hooper about be careful of this. Well, I you know you, it was a terrible knot. No, you pulled the wrong end. Then Quint just gently says, "Chief, uh, next time ask me which line to yeah. pull." Because yeah. he cause he knows Hooper made the knot right, yeah. And he know any, but he doesn't want to say that, and he and he wants to help out the person who is more his friend and and more his class uh, on the boat, which is which is Chief Brody.
3: Yeah, I like that touch.
0: So so we found out about the U.S. Indianapolis and where we're bonding. We're singing happy uh, drinking songs. And this is the one part of the, the the movie where I think it 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 gets into the realm of okay man this is just it's a shark not a not a mythological beast because the shark begins to actually ram the ram into the boat uh uh and ram into the hull and actually succeed into letting water into the uh, the hull of the boat and really crippling the orca which is the name of Quint's boat and uh, setting up our our final uh, battle scene where we've got a. Uh, a disabled boat, a shark that has uh, a number of barrels shot into him via a harpoon gun, and uh, a very salty and no radio. Yes, and a and a and a, and a radio that uh, uh, where Hooper or Brody is trying to call in for for support from the Coast Guard, and and Quint goes full Ahab at this particular yeah, point. I was going to uh, say
1: this is the, this is the making it very clear if you hadn't figured it out already that Quint is obsessed <laughs> with killing this shark, and it is we are. It, in full Moby Dick here. That's what's happening right now.
0: Breaks the breaks the radio with a with a with a bat. Uh, and this you, point, you know what you uh, need
5: on a fishing boat is a baseball bat, and not well, just a do. baseball bat, a backup baseball bat as well.
0: You need many cautions when you're uh, when you're out at sea because you never know when the when the when the porpoises will challenge you to a baseball game. Sometimes you just have to club a trout.
5: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Um, so at this point, the boat is, they're trying to, they try and tie up the, uh, 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 shark to the, uh, to the, the I guess they're called on the, on the boat and, uh, haul it back into shore. Uh. Everyone in the theater goes. No, this is not going to happen. This is a bad idea. <laughs> Plus, the the boat is overheating. The engines uh uh sending out plumes of black smoke. A new pope has not been elected. Our obsessed captain so the, is the not
1: interested is- in restraining the engine either. He's happy to blow the engine in his quest to uh to kill this shark.
6: Mm-hmm. I just thought Shaw up there at the wheel and finally nervous and agitated and obviously afraid i just thought his performance was just
0: oh it's it's very wonderful
6: good. it's oh, riveting yeah. it's ri- the man we'll drag just him into geez. the shallow waters
0: shallow waters and drown him and he's it, just
6: it, it, he's just chewing scenery there yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. marvelous
0: <laughs> but uh um at, at a certain point the engine blows up and they are uh Uh, sinking into the sea where the shark is circling them, which is when Hooper uh, says, hey, I've got all this equipment on board that we we saw earlier in Act 2. Again, Chekhov's air tank and Chekhov's shark cage. And uh, he's going to go into the shark cage and try and uh, uh, stickle Jaws with uh, enough uh, uh, stuff to kill him.
6: Well, the interesting thing is it's Quint that brings it up like, you know what does this that stuff of yours do? Yeah. Do and it's it's because it's really interesting where Quint has done this whole crazy man at uh, the wheel, and then he comes downstairs, calms down, buttons up his shirt, puts his hat on, and sits calmly on you know the stern of the boat and it's like eerie and then he asks Hooper the question you know what what does that thing of yours do anyway and it's like this man is obviously nuts right just completely nuts
0: this is the well i'm out of ideas so, yeah so why don't you take over college boy
6: which which i thought was an interesting change of pace for his character too so mm. just fascinating fascinating and and the these up And down waves of tension, you know, climaxing things here. And then you think, well, they, you know, they might get out of this, but we're going to up it again. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, there, there's there's not as much credit given these days to the fact that a lot of a lot of his instinctive beats as a director, as a filmmaker, really very much come from suspense and horror. Uh, and and when you see this, when you see Duel, um, a, a lot of a lot of the way that he strings the other tension in later movies where, where that are in a lot of cases, you know, people standing around talking, um, they they come from playing with these kinds of beats.
0: So uh, Hooper goes into the cage. Kate go in the water. Shark in the water. Our shark. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Ho- Hooper seems to forget that cages are four-sided and that sharks can sneak up (laughs) behind you because um um, he's facing one way and then the shark comes into the frame and just beats the hell out of that cage uh that's when the old butterfingers kick in and the harpoon with the deadly poison uh, slips out of his fingers but fortunately he's still stuck in a cage that a shark is trying to open and uh and devour him in uh Eventually, he manages to, uh, to get out and swim to safety. The people on the boat don't know that. They're trying to raise the, the cage. The shark is on top of the cage at this point, and that brings down the whole uh, being and probably hastens the entire uh, uh, sinking of the, of the orca, really. So speaking of Quint, how is Quint? Well, not good, (laughs) because this is when um, uh, uh, the shark uh, decides to leap himself onto the uh, onto the prow or the um, uh, I don't know my boat terminology the back of the boat. Yeah, the back of
1: the boat.
0: Back of the boat. He leaps up on there. Um, boat flip. The boat sort of tilts up in the air, so that it's a lovely platform onto which you can slide down into the shark's waiting, waiting mouth. And uh, there's lots of struggle. There's lots of screaming. But that's where uh, that's where uh, Quint finally uh, meets his uh, meets his maker uh, in in a very uh, more violent scene than I remember <laughs> as a kid. A Lot of the the there's some there's a lot of. There's a lot of blood pops out of his uh out of various uh, parts of his uh body. People that are bloodier I than you think it turns out. That's what Jaws yeah. has to teach us. Mm-hmm. And
6: the thing that struck me about this watching it again because I watched it again earlier today is how well those entirely awful special effects held up and just convinced me that, that was happening because the way everything is cut, you know, because it's just enough frames that are good enough and just enough motion, the sound, the music, the acting, you know, Robert Shaw. I mean, the man knows how to die with panache. I mean, it was just, it was grim. So uh I, I was totally convinced, you know, and I'm going... Well, wow. I, I, that's... I
5: would argue, I would argue with your with your asserting it as bad special effects because you were convinced. I mean, something yeah, can be well, that's true. You know, but I mean, if, if you it, pause it's, it's a frame, a, uh, yeah. you can
6: see the seams and the stitches on the shark. Right? Yeah, <clears>
5: I, you know, if, if if you know, and I can also watch it at three x speed and it looks insane. Uh, yeah. You know, I, for for me, the it, it kind of goes back to something like the birds. You know, people will say, "Oh, those terrible effects in the birds." I think the the effects in the birds are are fantastic. Oh, um, I agree with you. You know, because even even though they don't necessarily hold up to what can be done with computers these days, um, you know, for for me it it has to pass a specific smell test, and it's the did it work for you or did it take you out of the movie? And oh, it
6: didn't take me out of the movie at all.
5: I think I get what you're what you're getting at. And f- like, for me, it's the reason why this shark is still engaging and scary and what it's supposed to be. And the shark in the Meg is none of those things. It's, <laughs> it, it's just, you know, a 3D model. Spot
6: on. I'm, I'm that, touching my nose with my index finger voices.
4: <laughs> well, I'll stop in here and be the jerk because. okay, I, <laughs> All right, jerk. Okay. In 1975. When I saw this movie and he saw it in a theater
5: many, many, many and, years ago before I was born. And, yes.
4: And I've never <laughs>
3: seen jerk, F jerk cap so. for grabs.
4: <laughs> so I'm fighting you for it. It. Was, it was fine. It was it was perfectly fine. And because I was because I was in the movie and, you know, the, the movie was made at a time when nobody had home video and people people didn't see movies many, many times in theaters to, to look things over. But when I see the movie now, there's too much Bruce. Um, You know, (laughs) the the movie is so effective when there's so little Bruce, when Bruce is hinted at, when he glides by, when there's... Geez, the thing where uh, Scheider is chumming off the rear and he he just rears up. My God, that's fantastic. Um, But when he comes up onto the stern of the boat and is, you know, three quarters of the way out of the water... Even though it's a long shot, because uh, it has to be, uh, it, it it does take me out of the movie now. And when Quint slides down into his mouth and the jaws are going cha 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 you know, in a metronomic thing, it just doesn't. It it takes me out of the movie when I see that. Everything except for that that little bit uh, is is great. And and I but I, that bit is not good.
5: Not for me now. I, I just love seeing, seeing an actor uh, actually being devoured by the fake effect rather than imagining the fake effect devouring them and, and, and playing against that. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it, it just makes me nostalgic for big, giant, practical assemblages of, of servos and stuff.
4: When he's half in, it, it looks better oh, yeah. than the parts when, when he's still, when you see all Bruce. Right. When 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 Bruce's mouth is half obscured uh, by Shaw, looks better. Again, the less Bruce, the better. All right, Phil, where are we?
0: Where where are we? Well, I'll tell you, Jason. Uh, So Quinn is dead. And that leaves just Brody, who who hates being on boats, hates being on the water. is about to be eaten by a shark. Go, uh, goes into the uh, uh, manages to somehow feed the uh, the tanks that we've been warned about earlier into the shark. Manages to uh, beat the use the tank to beat off the shark when it enters into the uh, the boathouse uh, part of the boat. Uh, has crawled up to the uh, the, the very highest point on the boat as it's sinking in. Has a rifle. Uh, shark has a air tank in his mouth and is swimming towards him and uh Brody is trying to shoot the air tank blow up the shark misses uh many times but uh uh hits him with the last bullet and smile, uh, you smile you son, son of a bitch Some, uh, <laughs> effective dialogue too where he's like come
1: on explode explode that's the thing that's going to happen if i hit him right like to explain yes. to the viewers
0: remind the viewers that this is what's what i'm going trying on here. to do yeah so uh yeah, again, not the most effective part of the dialogue, but uh, uh, anyhow, bullet hits the tank, tank blows up the shark, yay! It's gruesome, and and
5: then and then we get we get a James Bond ending without the implication that uh, James Bond is going to sleep <laughs> with the co-star afterward, uh, where where Brody Says and you. Hooper yeah.
0: <laughs> doggy yes. paddle away. Yes, as Brody is uh, is is lying in the water admiring his kill shot which the seagulls are already gathering on in a uh, really gross touch. Um, uh, 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 Hooper pops up and, uh, 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 hey, I'm alive. Oh, OK. Hey, and I, I, anything I, happen? I,
5: yeah, I, I didn't feel the distortion, uh, you know, of a giant explosion or anything while I was under the water.
0: Mm-hmm. Shark dead? Yep. Quint dead. Yep. Okay. Right. Well, well, this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship, I guess. This is this is our movie, so let's (laughs) paddle in. So they begin paddling in, and uh, and that's the end of the movie. And I would actually argue this is probably one of uh, one of my big complaints about Steven Spielberg is he has no idea how to end a movie. Um, And this is the first one of the few movies that he does that the ending actually uh, works uh, really well. For, for me, the, the thing that I find hilarious about that
5: is that in, in interviewing Richard Dreyfus a few years ago, uh he told me that Spielberg was actually not present for the the last shots uh that are in the movie that oh. he was already on a plane and gone and they were done by the second unit.
0: Yeah. Well then then more 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 to That's my point why. about Spielberg not <laughs> he does uh, that, not right. knowing
1: how to end a movie. He thought that they were going <laughs> to throw him in the water cuz they'd been there for 130 days or whatever. <laughs> and, and apparently he does that now. But yeah, it's a I, I, like the end, I like how over the end credits we get uh, them just very slowly pushing in on the beach uh, mm-hmm. with their little floaty things that is all they've got left. Uh, I think that's a nice little way for us to say goodbye to the movie at the end. I thought it was really effective.
0: And so the movie's over. And I'll, I'll throw this question out to the panelists. Because um, this is a debate about Jaws, apparently. Is it a movie about a shark or is it a movie about something else?
5: I think it's a movie about friendship. <laughs> Next. The, the shark was inside of us all along. I, I, I kind of joke, but I, I I'm I'm kind of sincere at the same time.
2: I, oh, I, I'm totally with you. It's it's about it's about these people and they how they're brought together by the shark. Yeah. Sometimes you have just got to
5: murder one of nature's great wonders to really come together. <laughs> I
1: was going to say it's That's how it, I met my it, wife. It's man versus nature with a nice dollop of man versus society, right? Cuz the mayor in mm-hmm. the first yeah. part it's 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 the society and the uh, exemplified by the mayor and Roy Scheider is is working against him and he's the real villain. And then the second half it is very much like this shark is a force of nature and how are they going to be able to withstand it and survive enough to to triumph and uh and uh, it, it's an interesting combination of sort of two
2: halves of this movie. I mean, one of the things, just just to be the theater guy, one of my favorite descriptions of this movie, and a lot of people have done, done this. Uh, it's basically Moby Dick crossed with Henrik Ibsen's *Enemy of the People*, except mm. in that it's a a uh, poisoned uh, water, contaminated water, instead of a shark. Uh, but it's it's a doctor trying to get the townspeople to stop drinking the water, and the government is like, no, 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 we can't let them stop drinking the water and horrible things happen
3: so nobody told me it was a romance <laughs> yeah. more I of a bromance let's <laughs> brody be honest <laughs> i yeah so you know you, you go for 40 plus years not actually watching this movie and you've seen all the clips that are you know clip worthy but they don't show you i did not know there was like half of the movie was the three guys on a boat um yeah. I knew they were on the boat at one point like, you know, I've seen like the the highlights of that, but I didn't know. I thought they go out on a boat, then they come back and get a bigger boat or something <laughs> well, like that. Yeah, exactly, right? Where's
0: right? Where's right? The bigger <laughs> boat, agree, uh, the that, bigger that boat does
1: not appear in
0: the
5: no,
1: film. No, there is mm-hmm. never a bigger boat. and it's it's There is yeah. no Chekhov's the, the, bigger boat. Honestly, no. the disintegration of the boat is one of my favorite parts, like, because how do you ratchet oh, up yeah. suspense as long as they're staying on the boat? And it's like, the boat's got some water, oh. the boat's falling apart, Destroy the, the boat. boat's starting to sink. <laughs> yeah. he, he's like, at the end, he's like out on on the top of the tower, which is almost in the, almost water. In the water, like it, yeah. it is so effective. As the whole thing is falling apart, but they're they're kind of like glomming on, and they've got like their last things in reserve to defeat this thing, and it's it's just super effective.
5: And you you don't initially think of the boat as its own character until it starts coming apart at the seams, and then and then yeah. you start paying more attention yeah. to oh it. No, it's not boat. just. No! It's it's, it's actually got some character to it, and you start paying a lot more attention to it.
3: Anyway, I liked it more than I was expecting to. It's less scared than I was expecting to be, but of course I am 40 plus years older now, and I can put that stuff in perspective or pretend like I know already that this is all fake. As somebody who doesn't
1: love kind of horror movies, it's not my thing, um, mm -hmm. I think... I, what I said at the beginning, this is using the horror movie tropes, but it's it's doing some other stuff, and it is built for a broader audience, which it found. And mm-hmm. I think it's very effective. I think that you've got the character levels, you've got the society part, you've got all the tension building up on the beach. and um, and I think for a lot of people in the audience, including myself, having it not be a supernatural killer or a giant monster, but actually a you know, real life monster is. Helpful in the, you know, in, in building the suspense and the believability and maybe something you might turn away from. Otherwise you accept because it's like, well, sharks are real and I guess they could do this. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's super effective and I get why, it was, a, uh, why it's a, it was a big hit. It worked on me. Like there's a lot of stuff going on here and I thought it was really effective and I can definitely see the artistry of Steven Spielberg in the way this thing is directed, thinking about how it's, you know, whatever, six years before Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. And that he's going to go off and do Close Encounters and, you know, things like that pretty soon.
2: That's why a lot of the, not not just the sequels, but a lot of the imitators, and I mean, God, there have been how many imitators countless, ever since it came countless. out? Countless. And, and none of them catches it like this because they're all trying to be too big or too supernatural or or just ignoring nature. Like, I think the, the Orca movie was not exactly uh, true to life. But this... This just somehow—that's—that's uh, that's why I say it's—it is the movie about them. It's not about the—the the threat itself. It's about how they respond to it, which a lot of these movies are not. It's just oh, scares, sharks, things chewing things, ooh, you know. And—and and it did find that audience because it was the highest-grossing film in history until that—that that space thing came out two years later.
4: Yeah, I think I think what makes. What makes the movie work is exactly what everyone has said. It's the relationship between the three guys. Uh, this is a boys' adventure movie, and mm-hmm. we've got three archetypes there, and you can relate to whoever you want. I mean, Roy Scheider is really our is our stand in, and, and I really think, although the Quint character is such a great, I mean, it's it's a it's a great actor's part. And so Robert Shaw gets to chew the scenery, and everybody is remarks the scenery chews back, <laughs> and, the ce- and the scenery chews back, and everybody remarks on the Indianapolis story and how he does, uh, how he does it, and and uh, you know, Dreyfus does has great little bits in there, not just him being kind of a smartass, but also like the scene where he is in the background measuring the tiger shark's mouth, it's. It's very well shot, but it's also him doing a really nice job of, you know, I don't care what you guys are doing. I have I have I'm a scientist, man. Damn it. I'm going to do this thing here and I'm going to figure something out. But uh, Scheider Ray uh, does a really good understated acting job here as our stand in. Mm -hmm. And he really holds the movie together, allowing and is very generous because he is he is a big star at this point. And he allows these other guys to get really good lines. He gets his own really good line, too, of course. But he allows them to do that whole uh, drinking scene is really Sean Dreyfus playing off of one another. And it's in. Scheider is just kind of reacting to them. We see him just a little bit, like when he lifts the shirt up to try to decide whether he's going to show his scar or not. It's a very nice bit of acting. Also, before the, um, I'm always astounded by this, the, um, the, as he's chumming and just before he goes back to say, we got to see, we got to get a bigger boat, uh, his jump up to a vertical position after he's been leaning over chumming and he sees the shark. I don't know how he did it. It's like he's on a (laughs) wire or something. He just—he is. It's like a mechanical thing. He just snaps up to uh, vertical, and it's—it's—it's excellent.
6: Everybody in the audience did too. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. The movie's called Jaws, and sometimes there's a shark in it, but it's not really about the shark. It's like what you said. It's everybody's reaction to the shark. I think part of Benchley's original story about class struggle and other things are kind of lost in the the buddy movie for the last 30 the movie the film but uh it it works after all these years I I'm still riveted to it and I will continue to rewatch this this film despite doing this podcast <laughs> um, <laughs> And I, I it's like I cannot look away. It is the oddest thing. Yeah. You know
1: It works. I think you
6: said it.
5: It works. Wait, wait, you're telling me that one of the movies considered one of the greatest of all time actually
0: works?
1: Let's just say yeah. that a lot of those movies when you watch it having never seen it before from the perspective of uh, you know, forty odd years later, um you kind of miss it and you're like I guess you had to be there and I would say I don't think that about this movie I don't I I I saw it and I was like yeah I get it like I get 70s movies and I know the I know what the time was like but like I get why this movie works it absolutely does work
2: well and you know we had the paperback when I was little and I read it somewhere around 80 or 81 and uh, the you know famously they they got the manuscript early the producers got the manuscript early with a note saying this might make a good movie and when you read the book, you're like, yeah, okay, I see it, but there's a reason you watch this movie over and over again, and I never need to read the book again. It's not really all that interesting, and, and the things that they change in the character relationships for the movie make the story work better. Everything's just, there's too much distraction in the book.
1: Any other final thoughts about Jaws? Phil, uh, you want to tell us about your, uh, your feelings just about my,
0: this one? Yeah, just just my favorite Spielberg movie, I think. Mm. Uh, he's done oh, some wow. other good ones, but I think, um, uh, this, uh, stands the test of time. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to go with Raiders of the Lost Ark, but I, I, uh, uh I like ra- this one. Ra- I mean, I'm not saying he's never done another. Good yeah. One. <laughs> and, this, and that was the <laughs> well, last it's good thing. no bridge of spies, what, what let's of, be honest. But what, what of
2: always, Phil? What of always? <laughs> it's not 1941.
0: <laughs> no, clearly it's not 1941. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it, it can't
5: hold a candle to
2: hook, but it's still
5: a movie, Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, uh, Obviously, he's done some very good movies. I have a conflicted relationship with him as a movie maker, but I I think this is just about a perfect movie. I I
1: actually kind of like when Spielberg is ruthless, and I think a lot of times he gets sappy and sentimental, and you see it in a and bunch th- and of there's yes. none of that in here, a bunch <laughs> of different kinds of movies. But when he is brutal and ruthless, and and not afraid to be, uh, just kind of harsh and cold uh i think that i think he's working against his own tendencies and i think it makes him a better filmmaker and that is absolutely on display here as it is in raiders Mm -hmm. of the lost ark and some of his other movies that i think are among his best it
2: is literally always moving it is never standing still just like a shark and when he does that when he cuts away all the fluff and sentimentality yeah it's great great pacing
1: all right, well, we're going to wrap it up here. Good old movie club, good old movie that uh, Gene and I hadn't seen before, but you know, now we have. I didn't see Home Alone until like three years ago, so it happens. Sometimes you miss a movie and every literally everyone else on the planet sees it and you don't. And then there's an old movie club and that solves it because then you
0: get to see that movie. Yeah, in about, in about 10 years, I can sit in on the Top Gun old movie club. Ooh,
3: nice. I've, I've oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, one. yeah. Oh,
1: man, I've seen that a lot. I haven't seen that either. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll put it on the list. So uh, I would like to thank my guests for being here. Don, Melton, thank you you are very welcome Gene McDonald thank you
3: very happy to be here
1: Moises Chuyon thank you
5: I can go slow ahead come on down here and show them some of this shirt (laughs) Uh, David J. Lohr thank
1: you (laughs) this really was the best 4th of July ever (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Drang you gotta find these kids who are painting these shark fins on these billboards
4: Uh, farewell (laughs) and adieu
1: and Philip Michaels thanks again for uh, your selection on the old movie club
0: I think the real, uh, the real uh, jaws was all the sharks we met along the way. We were the shark
1: <laughs> all along. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of the Incomparable. We will see you next time.